Today is Wednesday, January 20th, 2021. It's an interesting day since it is Inauguration Day in America. We have a new administration coming in, which is very good for half of America. They're, they're going to be very happy today. And it's very bad for half of America. They're going to be very unhappy today. So I thought today would be a good day to take some time and try to do what we're supposed to be doing on Earth in the first place, which is making it a better place. Uh, hopefully you'll learn something from this. Um, hopefully I can make a series out of it. But what I'm going to do is take some economic concepts see if I can apply them to software development and see if the larger software development community can make better software through better understanding of economics. I'm going to start with a concept called incentive compatibility. And the, really the only reason I'm starting with this is it was in the first episode of Russ Roberts Econ Talk. I'll try to link to that somehow in the description or something, but you can find it on any podcast program, YouTube. It's episode number one of Econ Talk. So what is incentive compatibility? Incentives are compatible if they uh, motivate actions of individual participants to be consistent with the rules established by a group. So that's a whole lot of jargon. I'm not sure if I even said it correctly. Basically, if you set up the rules of a system and the actors of the system make decisions based on preferences uh, that are consistent with those rules, um, so if they want to do what the rules say anyway, then those are compatible incentives. Even more basically, people engaging in something so that both people are better off, even though they're only making their decisions based on their personal preferences. So two people get together, um, they have a certain way that they must interact or they're incentivized to interact and it happens to be the way that they want to interact anyway and I'll I'll give a bunch of examples I, th I think ex examples are much better at illustrating these types of things than sort of abstract concepts the best example I could find uh, which is it has nothing to do with software, is an insurance company. So if you think of an insurance company or any, any company, their incentive is to maximize their profits. A way to maximize profits is, of course, to minimize costs. And a very obvious cost of an insurance company is going to be um, you know, paying out to, to a client based on some, some event. 
So, uh, so let's say we have a, a health insurance company, to be even more specific. Uh, we have a health insurance company, and that company, of course, wants to minimize their costs, and therefore they want to minimize the, the money that they pay out in healthcare. So they want their clients to be as healthy as possible. Healthy clients leads to fewer clients in the hospital, uh, leads to uh, fewer things that the insurance company has to pay for. They might incentivize their clients to not smoke. They might incentivize their clients to join a gym and they can track your fitness by going to the gym somehow. Um, they might incentivize their clients by regular, uh, you know, cardiovascular fitness testing. So if you start off with, with one premium and this, your insurance company says, hey, if you, if you hit these numbers by next year, these sort of fitness numbers, will knock off 10%. So the insurance company likes that since you're going to be healthier uh, and therefore less risk. The the client might like that um, since they're going to be able to, to save money. So therefore their incentives are going to be compatible. Both both people win um, given the rules of the game that uh, that discount. Uh, another, um, let's see here, another good example would be one that I actually have experience with, uh, Progressive Car Company or Progressive Car Insurance. Uh, this is quite a, a while ago, so I think it was Progressive. And uh, when I signed up, they gave me this little device to plug into my car, and it would actually monitor my driving habit. I think it would monitor my driving for like three months or something. And based on that assessment, it would, you know, it would look at how hard I was braking, how fast I was accelerating, if I was driving at night, um, you know, all these sort of risky things that are known to cause accidents. So if I'm, if I'm, if I'm showing them that I'm not a, that I'm not going to be a risky client, they're going to give me a big discount. So again, they're trying to maximize their revenue. I'm trying to maximize my savings and they gave me an incentive so that we're, we're both better off. Um, so in, you know, insurance companies are pretty obvious examples. And the reason that there's such obvious examples is because it's, it's all about money and uh, money is just, it's just, it's such an easy metric because it's tangible. It's easy, it's easily measurable. Um, it's universal. So there, there's many examples of, uh, how to have compatible incentives just by having a, a monetary reward or a discount or something like that. Uh, some some other preferences which are not so obvious would be some intangible things such as uh, and th these are the most interesting things I think 
some things like shame or social status. One thing that's becoming very popular now is social media status. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, you know, once you start thinking of a few of these different things, you can start thinking of a whole lot of these different incentives. It's it's just things that people value and therefore want to or might want to maximize. A couple non-monetary, I guess one non-monetary example might be recycling. So uh, let's say if let's say you're a uh, recycling company and you want people to maximize the recycling that they put in their bin and you want to maximize how clean it is also so you might you might do some kind of an ad campaign that will shame people into you know taking their their dirty milk jug their dirty orange juice jug, their, their bottles and cans, uh, you know, washing them out and making sure they, they put them in the recycling bin. And they, they, might, they might advertise this as, hey, if, if you don't, you might get sort of a, an, an eye from your neighbor, like you're not, you're not being green, you're not doing what you're supposed to do to, to save the earth or whatever. Whether it's actually green or not or good or not, they're using this concept of shame to get you to to do something, and of, of course, well, maybe not, of course, but um, from there, from the recycling company aspect, they know that you generally want to minimize shame, so you don't want your 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 neighbor looking at you and giving you some kind of dirty eye like uh like you're not recycling you're not you're not doing uh you're not being a good steward of the earth and similarly you might want to maximize your sort of you know righteousness or whatever and so you know a as you take out your your huge recycling bin and and you the this ad campaign might make you think oh yeah when you when you take out that bin, you should feel proud, and you should um, you should look at your neighbor who who doesn't recycle as much, and just you know think of him as just a, a pathetic person. So that's sort of a, a non-monetary way to uh, to have uh, compatible incentives. Another one is a credit score. You know that's pretty easy. You you sign up for some utility or a credit card or something. You you act a certain way. Credit score goes up, and you become more reliable. And you can get more credit. You can get more people, businesses, and lenders of credit trust you more. If you act a, a different way, your credit score goes down, and uh, you actually might have to, um, I'm not sure, maybe do some upfront payments for things. You, it might be tougher to get a line of credit or, or this and that. But again, I think um, a credit score is sort of another decent example. So getting into software, let's, let's talk about how we can use 
incentive compatibility in software development. Um, I'm just going to mention a couple examples that I could think of. I think they're decent examples. Of course, they're they're going to be non-monetary because uh, I'm talking about a, a software de software development team at this point. Um, let's say we have uh, a collection of database scripts, and uh, you know every deployment that goes out, there might be a, a whole bunch of changes that need to be made to the database, and they can be made in one of two ways. So you can either you can either be there on the night of the deployment with your script and give it to the DBA and say, hey, can you please run this script for me? I you know I didn't do it the the right way. Can you just please run this? And maybe they do, maybe they don't. But uh, let's let's assume they do. But it's taking your time. Um, a lot of these, a lot of software deployments, at least the bigger ones, um, if you have to do some manual work, it's just it's a complete pain. So it's going to be a, a waste of your time. Maybe on the weekend, for sure, at night, asking a DBA, "Hey, can you run this script for me?" So you're you're minimizing your free time. Um, a way to so you're you're minimizing your free time and you're adding work to the the DBA and you know th there's some other side effects too um, it's going to add some risk to the, to the deployment since it's not repeatable uh, you can think of many problems uh, with just sort of ad hoc uh, database script running during a deployment what you should do is make sure all the scripts are scripted out so that the the DBA knows in what order to run all of them like the the entire team gets all those scripts in order maybe a tool does it um, or maybe they you do have to write these by hand and coordinate with your team okay you know mine depends on yours and this other one depends on mine so we need to order them like this and you just get them in the correct order, do some testing, so you can hand over this bundle of scripts, uh, give it to the DBA, and you don't have to be there on the weekend. It makes the DBA's life easy. It makes it frees up your time. Um, hopefully, nothing goes wrong, so you don't get a phone call. But you know, back to these sort of things being part of the rules of a system or the rules of the game you can make this a policy right so you could you can give people the choice you know you, you can do it developers can do their scripts either way they can do it the hard way and waste their time and be shamed by their peers or you can do it the right way and save your time and look like a professional developer and and it just goes so much more smoothly. So easy way, um, when you when you see these sort of incentives being aligned pretty much for you, there's, there's really very little drawback for this. Make a policy out of it. Say, this is the policy, this is what we should be doing. All incentives are aligned to make everyone's life easier. So that's, that's one example. 
Another good example I thought of for a software development team is code reviews. So, uh, you know, developers want a, a good quality code base. I, I guess the, the people involved in the system could just be the software developers on the team, like all the developers. So they all want a good quality code base. So they have a policy that after code is checked in or maybe before it's checked in, it needs to go through a code review process. So one incentive that all the team members have is they all want good code. Another incentive or another value in this, in this equation is they want to minimize, you know, shame, being shamed by their, by their peers. And they want to, you know, maximize their professionalism uh, by their peers. So if people know they're going to, they're going to have to go into a code review, it helps immensely for these to be done on Zoom, face-to-face, -face, on the phone, uh, not just make a pull request and say, hey, can you have, can you look at this when you have some time, but actually have a real dialogue in real time where people are discussing code. When you do that, you're going to have people be much more careful about their code. They're going to write better code because they want to, again, maximize how they look to their peers and minimize how much time they're in that code review. They want it to go super fast because nobody likes code reviews. It, it even might get to a point where in order to really minimize time spent in code reviews, you, you send out your code ahead of time, give a little synopsis so that when you get in there, it's like, hey, does anyone have questions? Did everyone go, you know, take a look at this? Everyone's good. And it's, it's done in a few minutes. So you get to maximize your time. You get to look like you know what you're doing. Everyone's adhering to the policy and you have a good code base. Code reviews, uh, another great software development example, I think. There's, there's a few sort of software system or software application incentive compatibility examples I was thinking of and and which are very relevant these days. So this is a little bit higher level, but let, let's say that you have a, a social media platform, something where people can share videos or they can share small posts or they can share long form posts. People can post questions. People can post pictures, any kind of a platform like that where people are engaging with each other around pieces of content. Your particular platform might lean a certain way, politically, ideologically, um, you know, culturally. Uh, it might be a religious-based platform, maybe not that far, but there might be some leaning in, in some way where if you have more content of a certain type, that's going to reinforce your brand. That's going to that's going to increase your revenue because, again, it's it'll it'll reinforce your brand. People can come to your platform, 
and know what they're going to get. So let's let's just um, yeah let's say it has like a, a certain ideological leaning. On the on the you know on the landing page, you might want to promote content that leans towards your ideological preference, whatever that may be. So so you're going to be promoting that type of content, and from the content author or the, the creator standpoint, they want to maximize uh, th- their ranking on the platform or they want to maximize uh, their engagement. They want to maximize basically their sort of uh, their, their social media status on the platform. How do they do that? They're going to create content that conforms to the ideals of the platform. That's how you get on the front page. So the, the platform is going to get the content they want and the, the content creators are going to get the sort of uh, social media status or the, the clout that they want if they create that, that type of content. Um, so again, that's incentive. That those are aligned incentives. Those are compatible incentives. The, the sort of unwritten rule, it, it might be an unwritten rule, is that you know our platform wants this type of content. If you make that, we'll we'll put it to the top. What what other? Uh, I think that you know that that was a pretty good example of sort of a, a larger software ex- uh, platform example. There's always there's always lots of gotchas when you try to to simply take one of these concepts and apply it to your your group, whatever that may be, your system, your business. There's trade-offs. If you're if you're the insurance company, the, the trade-offs are very clear. You you don't want to if somebody really really likes smoking, like it's worth thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to that person to, to smoke per year. You don't want to incentivize them to the point where you're, you're breaking even. Like uh, th- there's going to be a point beyond which you're going to start losing money because you're, you're paying them so much to incentivize them. And it, it's because there's given a, a large enough number of people, there's going to be all different kinds of people. Um, so it, it's difficult to to really fine tune these incentives to to maximize what you want and get the type of people in your system that that you want. And that's just humanity. People are, people are messy. You might have uh, lots of different types of people. I, I think a, a great way to to handle those types of scenarios is to list out the the actors of a system. Uh, again, to, back to the insurance example, just because it's the easiest one, the, the easiest list of actors is going to be the insurance company and the insurance client, right? Two, two people uh, involved in, in an exchange. If you wanna go even beyond that, 
you can start you can start um, applying personas to different types of people. So and that, you should literally write you know write these out, put it in some kind of a document, so you have these personas documented. Uh, you should look up what a persona is if you don't know, and really start building out your personas. Once you have the the types of people using your system as personas, you can give them incentives. So if you have if you have a, a persona, Ashley, you might give Ashley a set of attributes. So let's say she is relatively young. She keeps in shape. She doesn't smoke. You might want to incentivize her to continue going to the gym uh, and to continue not smoking. But she's doing that anyway. Uh, probably not a big incentive. That's something she's going to do anyway. But it, it's just sort of to reward her for being one of your customers. You might have another persona, Bob. And let's say Bob is uh, 45. He's smoked all his life. Um, but he stays in decent shape. Since his his, uh, his lung health probably isn't great, but if he stops smoking, that's going to reduce his risk something, some measurable amount or some amount that you think you can measure. You, you might want to incentivize him with stopping smoking. But again, since he's older, damage is done, you need to calculate those risks. Carolyn, let's say she doesn't smoke but she doesn't do much of anything. She doesn't exercise. Pretty clear. Uh, you might want to incentivize her to join a gym and that can make a huge difference. So if you say, hey, Carolyn, um, her, another attribute of her persona might be again, uh, 45 years old. If you say, hey, Carolyn, you're, you're in rough shape, but we work, we work with this gym. If you join this gym and you hit these metrics by next year, we'll give you a, a huge discount. Uh, getting, getting to know your customers, breaking them down into personas, uh, giving those personas values and incentives, that, that actually will clarify a lot of what you can do um, with this concept. And this stuff is, it's, it's really just putting a label on a concept that we all already know, right? But I think, you know, giving it a name, calling it incentive, incentive compatibility, it, it makes you think of things a little bit differently, you know, in, in your own head, you can have maybe slightly different uh, discussions about it with people. So I mean, like, like any economic concept, it's, it's probably going to be common sense, right? But um, giving it a name and a definition and putting some rigor around it really does help. What else, what else can we do here? I, I think that once you start 
working with these concepts and integrating them into your, your business or your software development methodology, they'll just become a part of, of how you build software. So that's largely what I wanted to touch on. You can find me on gab.com. Just search for Mark Stoddard. I do want to dedicate this first episode to a couple favorite economists. Uh, Russ Roberts, thanks for all of your Econ Talk episodes, even the ones about the financial crisis, even though there were possibly too many of those. But uh, thank you for uh, the many, many years and hours of bringing uh, economics to the masses in podcast format. And to Steve Stoddard, thank you for the 38 years of being my father and the 71 years of making the world a better place. So once again, I'm Mark Stoddard, and this has been Software Economics.